Welcome to the Divine Rhyme, a music podcast with culture, with Will Hogsett and Dylan Hughes, a part of the Running Hook Podcast Network. So of the Divine Rhyme, and boy, do we have a absolute banger coming your way. As always, joined by Dylan Hughes, and this week we got both the boys, Nick Boggs and Andrew Settlemeyer, here to chat about Mac Miller's final album. But first, how's everyone doing? Dylan, how's your week been? What have you been listening to? It's been a good week. Um, it hasn't actually been too much music this week, um, kind of not necessarily taking a break. I guess I've just been busy with stuff. So it's really just been a circles week for me. Yeah. Uh, just, just made time for that. Uh, Boggs, what about you? What's been, on, what's been in the playlist for you this week? A bunch of the unreleased Mac we found a while ago. I've been listening to that all week. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know Andrew or Drew had that shit um, kind of downloaded on his phone and you guys have been listening to that. Maybe we need to cover that at some point. What's some, what's some of the stuff you like from that, Nick? Oh, um, a lot. Um, there's a song called alone. It's probably one or come, come along. That's it. My bad way off. Then there's a, what is it? Mrs. Deborah Downer. That's a good one. There's a bunch of them. Oh, captain, my dragons. Like so many of these songs, all these Mac heads haven't heard that. I'm just, I'm lucky to hear whenever yeah. i want what kind of what what version of mac is it is it more a rap? little bit of everything man you can hear all the different time zones of his career like his voice the way he like puts down the lyrics and the beats themselves get some faces in there some good am watching okay. movies okay hitting a bit of everything what about you drew what you been listening to i know you like listen you've been back on my Dolph. you've been listening to young Dolph. <laughs> No, I've been circles all week, man. Circles all I week. I really listen to people a lot. So when I've been listening to music lately, it's for this. Yeah. No, I. that's what I noticed about you guys whenever we listen to Mac. Me, obviously, I kind of picked up on Mac as circles was released. But whenever whenever we'd be listening to Mac for, uh, together, you wouldn't really be playing much of the circles. So um, we'll get we'll get into a little bit of the chat about that, obviously, a little bit later. But something I did want to mention I've been listening to Billy Strings, obviously. Went to the concert last night. Phenomenal. That guy could pick a guitar like nobody's goddamn business. Uh, Also, like usual, got drunk, a little bit too drunk beforehand. And uh, while I was drunk, I made a purchase of swimming on vinyl. Not that mad. Not that mad about it, if I'm being honest. So, um. Also something that I want to mention, this seems to always happen whenever we kind of slander someone Hughes on the pod and AB will hit us up right away and it'd be like, yo, this guy's not that bad. I don't know why you guys are slandering him. And so he did that with Ty Dolla. And I'm like, dude, okay, we weren't really going that hard against Ty Dolla, but we weren't too kind on him. Uh, But he, he recommended a couple songs for me to listen to and they were pretty good. Not going to lie. I think Horses in a Stable is one. I was like, okay, I don't know if I'm ready to listen to a full Ty Dolla album yet. But you know what? They weren't bad. Um, So let's get into it. Let's get into it, though. And I'm going to start as the album as a whole. Hughes, I'm going to go to you first. This is like a singer-songwriter album, isn't it? 
what 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 was your take on it on this at least phase of Mac as, as in his career? Because Swimmy kind of got a lot of little bit of the singer songwriter, but this one is definitely all essentially singer songwriter. Yeah, you could just tell right off the bat he's he's sitting down and he's really focusing on on what he's saying and what the what the music sounds like. It it's it's a different vibe than a lot of the stuff. Like you said, I think swimming kind of gives you a window into what he's moving into. And with this one, he just went all in. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mentioned John Bryan last week, who was, he was a major producer on swimming. And he is the one that ended up putting circles out. Uh, he, I think he produced most of the tracks, if not all of them. And he was heavily involved. And, and you can tell, you can tell where that impact is from Brian, where it's, it's a lot more instrumental. And, you know, I, I did a lot of research on this a few months back and he had a huge impact on kind of pushing Mac to play the instruments himself. Yeah. And Mac was very self-conscious about that. And it was funny because Brian's like, I don't know why he is amazing. You know, yeah. like a, lo- a lot of these instruments he plays, he like it was him there there's a lot of instruments involved and it was him it's not like he had a whole you know quartet behind him constructing all this like he was doing a lot of this himself yeah and you can it knowing that and just seeing where he's come from over the past few weeks diving into his discography like this this is the one album where it's just like through and through mac yeah no, I definitely agree. And you can't mention this album without mentioning Brian's name. And because the family went to him after the death, he said it was like one of the most uh, important moments in his life whenever he, he was tasked to kind of complete this album. Uh, he did like an interview with Zane Lowe, which I, I, I watched. And then he, I think he did a, a piece for Rolling Stone where he kind of talked about it a lot. And it's, it's just fascinating how, like you mentioned, Matt kind of was self-conscious about his own talent. And Brian was just like, dude, you're fucking killing it, man. Just, just do it. Just, just get up, get out of your head and do it. And so Drew, I'm going to take it to you now. Um, you've been grinding this album a lot. Although, like I mentioned earlier, you really weren't, uh, you really didn't play at least around me. How's it been this week and what kind of insight have you gotten from circles into Max career? Well, you said that me not playing it in front of you, uh, earlier before we started the pod uh, that's because we weren't friends when the cert this album came out okay this album came out during that <laughs> stage when we weren't hanging out in bloomington and then i didn't see you again for like a year and a half hey so, hey we're boys so. now though hey shit happens Go if i had been playing it before that then it would have been pretty crazy because it would have been before it came out <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i mean i would agree definitely the uh the beats it's a lot more instruments a lot uh, a lot more of a mu- musician's creation, I'd say, than a uh, rap. What you would typically to see out of a rapper. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's where a lot of the self consciousness comes in from Mac, at least, because he's he's been defined kind of his whole career as a rapper, and he ne- hasn't necessarily stepped out in this lane, right, uh, of being kind of like senior songwriter. I Brian said in one of the interviews that when he started working with like Ty Dolla and Anderson Pack and like Feminine and Divine Feminine, that kind of really opened up his uh, kind of desire to want to uh, kind of put his voice out there, his, his vocal instrument out there compared to just like working on, on the boards. And so, Nick, um, 
being a Mac Miller fan, obviously this is a po- his his only album he's released after death. What were you expecting from Circles, and did it match that expectations, or did it kind of take it take it on a different different avenue for you? So before I even heard that the album was coming out, I had no idea what else there was, you know. But swimming in circles, the whole project as an idea definitely struck the way I expected it to. So in circles, I get much more of like a a somber feel. Like it's very like low. It's not very upbeat. And um, he has like this, I'm not going to say mood of giving up, but kind of more of acceptance. Yeah. I think like swimming is where he doesn't know where to deal with things, but like circles yeah. is the conclusion. Like he gets it. He accepts that his life is how it is and all the things that he's done where he's at, you know? No, I absolutely, absolutely agree. I think that's a great way to put it because in swimming it's, you know, and, and, and Dylan mentioned this on the last pod swimming. It's like, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Whereas honestly circles to me is a little bit less heartbreaking because of that fact that he did kind of accept it. And it's like, you know, it's not necessarily, I don't want to say hopeful, but it's more of like, okay, this is what it is. And you, you don't see this kind of sad, sad tone in his voice more like, like you did in uh, swimming at least. And so let's get started with the opening track of Circles, the title track, uh, Circles. Um, This one kind of starts on a a sadder tone. Obviously, he wants to set the the tone for the album and kind of connect the projects swimming in circles, swimming in circles. Hughes, what did you think about uh, the intro for this one? Yeah, I think it really set the tone. I mean, just coming off what you guys were just talking about. I mean, my, my notes for this are that he's accepting his fate and mm-hmm. kind of a, uh, embracing that next step. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, as you said, Will, swimming was more of him kind of figuring out where he's going. And it, it's like it was kind of as we talked about last week, it was that inner conflict of of wanting to, like, keep swimming, uh, but also wanting to just kind of stop and just float there. And he was really searching for direction. In circles, it's like he know he kind of knows what direction he wants to go in, mm-hmm. and I think all for an all encompassing thought of this album, I think he did a really good job of having really kind of vague but telling lyrics at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I this album more than any other of Max, I really sat there, like I paused the music. I'm like, what is he trying to say here? Yeah. In in the past, I think he was a little bit more upfront what he was trying to say, and you can. I mean, obviously, he's not completely telling you what he he means, but circles was so good because there were. I was trying to look at a lot of different lines from a few different perspectives. Yeah, and it was one of it. It really made me think. Like just you know, a five to seven word line can create so much thought where you really sit there and look at it like, man, what exactly is he talking about? It could be this, it could be that, it could be something that I can't even see. Mm -hmm. And I think right off the bat with circles, you get a little bit, a little bit of that. And as we move on, you get a lot more. Yeah. I think this is, that's where that schoolboy Q influence comes in and the lyricism, like, man, it's so punchy. And on all these songs, like when I was doing my notes, I was like, man, I want to write down that line. I want to write down that line. Cause there's so much you could take from it, but also going off something you just said, something that we talked about before in these pods, it's like, 
you could look at many of Mac Miller's lines from so many different perspectives. Is he talking to this external person? Is he talking to a person in a relationship? Is he talking to himself? And that's, that's one of the biggest things I took from uh, this. I mean, you want to talk about punchy lines, Hughes. I mean, the opening line of this, this album is, well, this is what it looks like uh, right before you fall. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? How does that drew? How's that? How's that? How does that? How do you receive that coming from a huge Mac Miller fan waiting on this posthumous album? And that's the first line. Like, how's that? How's that hit you? It's tough, man. I mean, just going back through and after he died, listen to any any of his old music. There's so many references to his death. You know, I mean, half of Good AM is about him dying from a drug overdose, you know, and that's what fucking happened. Like, it's just the guy was very self-aware. You know, yeah. he, he definitely knew what was going on with his life. He knew he had a problem and he was trying to fix it. That's the saddest part is he just couldn't couldn't get over that hump. Yeah. And that's what Boggs was talking about when we had him on for that pod. It's like his self-awareness is 10 out of 10, but also his vulnerability and his ability to put that into music and his ability to put that on the paper. Boggs, what was your feeling about this opening track? Man, I mean, you guys hit it on the nail. It definitely sets the mood. Um, yeah. You kind of know what to expect after that. Uh, I don't know. I love it, though. No, you're right. Yeah, you do know what to expect. Sets the mood. Uh, kind of a sad, sadder kind of sounding song, right, to start off, which is another kind of classic Mac thing. But back in two, I mean, it's such a Mac album because right off the bat, you get the circles, which is kind of a somber look. And then he takes you into complicated and you just hear that bump again. Hughes, yep. What, what's what's complicated for you? Yeah, I agree. It's And this is a good example of kind of the instrumental, I don't know if ambidextrous was the right word, but like <laughs> it's the, his ability to flip-flop between sounds uh, yeah. is something we see a lot in this album. And there's a lot of different, like kind of almost weird, but not weird uh, sounds that he mixes in. Uh, and again, we'll continue to talk about that as we move on, but there's a lot of different sounds that at the same time match with everything else. He he kind of sets the tone in every song in a different way, but they all work really well. And this this complicated, it, it set another kind of theme or uh, sub-theme of this uh, album, which is just trying to get through today. Yep. That That's something he talks about a lot is not looking to the future too much, not getting wrapped up in his head, but just, just focusing on right now. And, yeah. and I don't want to think about forever. I just want to get through today without any complications. You know, and that line, the, uh, I, I wrote down, some people say they want to live forever. I'll just get through the day. That, that sounds like a sad line, but there's, there's again, a couple ways you could look at it. It's like, he's struggling. Okay. So the sad kind of angle, in my opinion, is that he's struggling so bad. It's hard. It's hard to see the good in the future, but also it's more of a realistic look on how to live a day-to-day life, like how to actually like uh, confront things when they come to you and deal with that. And so Boggs mentioned earlier um, that, you know, this, this album's kind of, to an extent where he kind of has accepted that. And I feel like you get that and complicated. What do you, what do you think Boggs? Yeah. Complicated. Like 
I, I see all the different perspectives that you look at it from, but it's, it's weird. I, I get stuck on the sad part because it's mm-hmm. like such an uplifting, upbeat song. You know, you want to bounce to it, but at the same time, like what he's saying is like every day is so complicated. You know what I mean? You can't yeah. live like a simple life. Like, yeah. Well no, to hear. no, there's no doubt. And I think, um, you know, I think the, the dichotomy of like the ways that you can look at things, but both is is what Mac has always been so good at doing. And, you know, maybe something that something that he kind of talks about in this album is kind of detaching from his his pers- her, his personal self and looking at things from an external view. So kind of like removing himself from from his emotions and just trying to take a genuine look at himself. And so uh, complicated, I think that kind of sets a tone for that kind of idea where he's like, okay, this these these challenges that are going in my life, they might keep coming and they might be thinking, they might be complicating everything, but on a day-to-day basis, it's only one by one, one foot in front of the other. And that's kind of how I was able to look at it being, you know, not so invested into Mac's career, I guess. Uh, But then we get to Blue World, um, another kind of bouncy song, EDM type feel produced by Guy Lawrence, uh, who's uh, Disclosure. And I know a disclosure about one disclosure song. What's that one that goes like, now I've got you in my space. You know that one, Hughes? You heard that one? That was like a banger oh, back yeah. in, that was like a banger back in 2012. What's it called? I think it's Latch. Yeah, it is Latch. That song, dude, that, I was bumping that song in high school like all day long. I was like, that's a banger. But uh, another one where he kind of talks about the trials and tribulations of the world uh, that makes him feel the way it does. Uh, and then the classic Mac, Don't Trip. Like, how long, Drew, how long has Don't Trip been, been a Mac theme? Because I, I've seen a bunch of, like, hats that he wears with that. Uh, but on this song, it's definitely like, uh, you know, he says it over and over. Um, I guess I don't know. I mean, I guess it's kind of just whatever of his career or what he's i feel like the especially the beginning of his career you know it's i don't give a fuck i'm fucking uh here to fucking party and do drugs and shit like that and he's trying to reconnect with that feeling you know what i mean like yeah nick was happy right nick called it somber earlier i i would more call it this album more numb like he's trying he's had these feelings for you know, however long, and he's been just in the shit for so long, and he's just not, he doesn't want to feel anything anymore, you know what I mean? Or he's yeah. trying to get to a place where he doesn't feel this way anymore. So, I, like I said, I think it's more more numbness, you know, he's tired of the the way he feels, and he's trying to go somewhere else, be yeah. have something else in his, in his heart. Like, reconnect with that, you know, that don't trip kind of thing. I definitely can see that. But the way he says it in this song, man, it's like, don't trip. You know, it's a vibe. And that's maybe what he's trying to, like, rekindle it in himself. And I think we kind of got that with swimming a little bit, uh, as as we mentioned in the last pod, Hughes, where we feel like he kind of was producing it to try to kind of get himself back into it. But the execution and the lyrics kind of weren't there. What was your take on uh, Blue World, Hughes? Yeah, you know, thinking back to swimming, and I did this a couple of times listening to this earlier, but I, I really think Jet Fuel was the perfect foreshadowing of what was coming mm-hmm. and, and we talked about that last week but this is a song i think relates to that where it's an upbeat fun song to listen to but you listen to the lyrics it's like god man like it's just that constant battle he has with drugs and this this theme 
which we don't get as much, I think, in swimming, but we definitely get it a, a good amount, is him having this conversation with himself, like, do not let your loneliness push you to drugs is really what it's about. And, you know, that's something that he's constantly reminding himself in these last two albums to not do. Like, he doesn't want this or that to push him to drugs. But at the same time, God, it feels so good to be high, you know? Yeah. And that's, and just as much as he talks about it throughout this album and swimming, you can tell that like that was his final frontier for him. He he needed to overcome that to move on and, and he just couldn't do it. Yeah. And I think that this song and that idea kind of leads perfectly into good news. And so it's, it's kind of weird how, he you know wasn't to, wasn't here to put together this album but i feel like it flows as good uh at least theme wise and then sonically as well as uh, as any of them i mean maybe not kind of the earlier mac i'm thinking of uh uh watching movies like that 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 sound that sound was really really good and really really put together well but uh going into good news i think that this is one of the most important tracks on the whole album I mean, I, I think that this is the crux of the album to an extent. I think uh, maybe everybody we're going to talk about that um, is another kind of pillar in this album. Uh, but it was it was the first one that was released uh, since he died. The first music that was released since he died. What did uh, what do you think about Good News, Drew? Uh, I mean, I, it's just another example of how he can display how he's feeling and what he's going through in music just so well. I mean, yeah. it, the entire basis of the song Good News is about how he's really fucking struggling and not doing well, but nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants, <laughs> all people ever want to hear is good news. You, you don't ask somebody how they're doing and they respond with, actually, it's really shitty. Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> they just want to hear, yeah, I'm good, you know? Yeah. And that's the problem. He, he feels like he doesn't have anybody to talk to because he can't actually explain how he's feeling to anybody because nobody wants to hear anything but good news. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's just conversation. You know, when people ask you, when people ask you how you doing, they don't actually fucking care nowadays. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm at fault for this too. I, I mean, I work as a valet uh, at Bottle Works. I say probably 150 times every day, how you guys doing? I don't care. I feel bad saying it because like, it's, it's this opposite look from when, when we're looking at it from this Max perspective, but you know, it, how are you doing? And like questions like that in today's world have just become kind of conversation. It's just like what you say to people when you walk by them. And maybe that's just an Indiana thing where it's like, you want to be kind of cordial to people, but uh, there's no doubt that that, that angle is the way that, you know, Mac took it. And the song itself is just overwhelmingly vulnerable. And I know that that that's Boggs told us in that podcast in the last one, that that's kind of what he loves Mac for. And so did you, how'd you feel about this song Boggs? And, and did you, did you feel that vulnerability in there? Big time, man. I mean, um, I just loved seeing new stuff come out. Cause it was kind of out of nowhere. I, yeah. I think if I wasn't told any news and then boom, good news pops up and it was on my playlist every day. I love that song. Yeah, and and it was it, the, the the music video was released, and we haven't talked about the music videos in this album. Maybe we should save it. We should save it for a bit later. But I mean, the, the music videos in this album as a whole in this song are just insane, <laughs> like insane. And it's obviously Mac wasn't here to help produce it. But what what you what you guys think of the the music video for this one? 
thought it was perfect, man. It just like displayed a lot of things that Mac liked, like with the music videos that he made, it has like a little dibble and dabble from each one. I feel like all of them put together, the psychedelics, the good things he loves, peaceful things like horses, you know, his car, dog, all that. Like, I love it. No, it's like an acid trip. Like, I mean, that that's kind of what it's displaying on the screen to an extent. I mean, you can't ever put an acid trip in, into words, really. But that's that's about as close as you could fucking get. And it had like this little temple run thing where he was like, go driving to the peace sign, driving to the bar, driving to the Pittsburgh. Uh, uh, let's finish. Let's finish good news. I'm going to send it to you. Uh, I'm going to send it to you, Hughes, for uh, to finish up good news. And then I'm going to restart the meeting. OK okay so yeah the good the good news the good news uh music video it's it's nuts it's like an actual acid trip i mean you can't actually put an acid trip into words but that's about as close as you could get and it's like he has this kind of table run thing where he's driving and he's going to the hearts and he's going the peace sign and he's going to yin and yang symbol and he's going the pittsburgh pirates i mean I, i i just love that music video and it makes so much sense uh, in Mac's kind of career with what he's what he's done with music videos. And so, Hughes, what was your take on the song? And if you got a take on the music video, too, let's hear it. Yeah, I think the music video for this song and the whole album that he made, well, not that he made the music videos, but the influence from them, I guess, it really fit well with the album because when you really look at some of these lyrics, you can tell at this point that, he really saw life more as abstract than anything. And as much as he talks about being in his head and being stuck in his dreams, which that's, I mean, that kind of stuff is going back, you know, a handful of albums ago, he started talking about this stuff. And I think you can see that in the music videos that that's where he was at because they're more abstract than anything. It's not like just a cut and dry music video. It's kind of, you know, you're just floating around through different scenes. Um, So I thought those were really well done. And I mean, maybe he did have an impact on those because I know this album was mostly done by the time that he passed away. Um, So maybe he had, he did have an impact on what those looked like, but either way they were done really well, but this song, yeah, I definitely think this song was the most important on the album and it really, all the themes are in there. I mean, you know, he starts off right away as you guys talked about with, people just not really caring about him being sad. Like they, they don't want to hear him being sad all the time. And of course he talks about being stuck in his head, um, which is something that he talks about a lot. But I think the third verse where he's, he starts talking about, you know, there's a whole lot more waiting for me on the other side. Like that's, that's, I think a good line to show that he was really just ready to go. Like he, he really just, almost glorified death in this album where he was so ready for it and he was so ready for at least the idea of what it could be for him that he just he said there's there's no way that it's worse than here you know and i i think this song is it was the perfect song to make like the leading single because it really gives you like everything you need from this album no, good news is is definitely uh, like a pillar. It kind of reminds me when we talked about divine uh, feminine. It kind of reminds me of Cinderella, 
it's like that that's if you want to encapsulate divine feminine in uh, one single song it's probably cinderella and i mean i don't know if you can necessarily do that with circles but if you're going to try to it's going to be good news um you know as we've as we talked about it's just it's vintage mac it's overwhelmingly vulnerable man like these are the thoughts that are in his head and he just puts them on the table and makes them into a fucking banger man like an absolute banger like this song I don't know if I could ever get tired of this song because it's just so fucking real. It is so real. Um, and then the line that really sits with me is I try not to write. I try not to write like many lines because especially in this song, in this album, every single fucking you could write down every single line. It's like, wow, that 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 one's killer. Uh, but when it, at the end where he's like, it ain't so bad, at least it don't got to be no more. I'm like, God, Mac. I mean, that other side, as you mentioned, Hughes, he talks about that a lot. And I, what a take that I got from listening to this album is just, at least in Mike's Max perspective, and I guess everyone's as well, how close the other side is. I mean, that's what really Matt kind of kind of brought to me when I was listening to this album. He's like, the, the other side's always there. And so that's why I, I kind of have more of a optimistic kind of look at this because it, it gives you like the other side's always there. So let's, let's kill it. Let's, let's try to live the life that we want. And I think that that's what Mac was trying to do. Unfortunately, he just wasn't able to, I mean, see it through all the way. Uh, but that takes us into, I can see another kind of, but that takes us into, I can see. And Hughes, we originally early in the pod did a lot of the three song medleys and we're like, okay, what's the three song medley of this, of this album? What do you, what do you think kind of is, is the crux of it to an extent? Um, this, these three songs in a row, I think are really, really important, uh, for the album as a whole. And, uh, when, when I was talking about earlier of viewing his yourself and, and Max situations from, uh, without emotional attachment, kind of like a bird's eye view kind of look, this is where it really kind of sets in for me. Is that, did you get a similar vibe for that? And I can see Hughes and what else did you think of the song? man i can see is just like it's one of those this whole album is awesome but this is this is one of those songs that you just sit there in awe almost that someone could make a song like this and this is one of them that really give you kind of that heavenly experience that i think the second half of the album we get more than the first where just the the calmness uh, of the music it's just it really takes you on a different experience and you know we love when mac makes fun music that's really fun to listen to and we also love when he makes music that's vulnerable but there's there's songs like this that i think are on a different level where you just lay back and it's like I, I don't know an artist that can make a song like this, you know, like there's just some of those songs where it's like, God, man, like he literally had a talent that was so different than everyone else on this planet where he can make the tone of his voice and the lyrics and the music come together to just create such a unique experience. And I really, the only way I can explain it is heavenly. Yeah, it's like a masterpiece. And, and we talk about all the time, like how how much we like all artists being vulnerable. And it, it's one thing. It's one thing to uh, 
understand your situation and be able to kind of lay that on the ground on the table. It's another thing to be able to write lyrics based on that, that, that are meaningful to other people. And it's a third thing to encompass music and instruments and put it all together to create an experience, an experience that, that reaches into the souls of, of the listeners. And so drew, what did you think of? I can see, I thought it was really important part on the album, a really, really, you know, just kind of pulled it all together. So what did you think of this one? Uh, drew. I love this song. I, I mean, the, it's very different. I feel like than anything else, like just the tone of the song is like Dylan said, it's just so calm and just, uh, the lyrics just say a ton about what he's trying to express in this album, you know, mm-hmm. and, like if life is but a dream, then what are we, you know, I mean, that's just the entire thing is he's trying to come to grips with what his life has become and where it's going. Yeah. I, that's, that's one of the ones I, I wrote down. That's just such a great fucking lyric, man. Like if life is but a dream. It's like, so are we, what, what are, you know, what is this? And that is such a, that's such a Mac kind of look that that's what you get from Mac where a lot of the other artists, like we, like we, like we've covered, like Sturgill maybe comes closest, but still it's not, it's still not like this whole experience that he's able to put together and, and, and just lay that on the table. But then another one I wanted to, I mean, talk about a lot. Everybody, man, this is another one that I'm just like, man, what a fucking song. And it wasn't his OG song. It's a cover of Arthur Lee's Everybody's Gotta Live, 1972, paying homage to the the OG's classic Mac. You know, he he does his research. Uh, But this is one where it's just a beautiful piano kind of introductory lyrics. And then the drums, man, the pickup with the drums. And that this is the first point that album where i realized i'm like man it it is such a simple album and the drums just carry the whole thing and throughout this whole album i cannot get over the fucking drums and so boggs what'd you think about uh everybody and did you do you hear the drums like i do (laughs) well now that you brought it up it definitely uh took a big spot in the song for me i never really focused on the drums like that um main thing that's always hit me was uh max vocals he hits a bunch of ups and downs I love it. Yeah. No, that and that's and that's that's that singer songwriter aspect of the album that also makes the production, I think, a little bit more simple. And so that's why when at least in my opinion, when the drums come in, it just adds just another dynamic. And I mean, I'm a drum guy already. My favorite instrument's probably gonna be the drums. I don't know if I've said it on this pod, but this album and and, and the rest of the songs, I think it are it's really important uh having that percussion. Uh Hughes, what'd you think about everybody? I think the lyrics are really, really good too. I'm not gonna go give Mac too much credit. I think it's important that he put on his album, but he didn't write the whole song completely. He wrote the verses. What do you think about uh, everybody? Yeah, I I had a similar take. I mean, I was kind of reading through these lyrics and I'm like trying to take something away because, you know, I like to dig. <laughs> I, li- I like to dig. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't, I can't pull anything out. I just can't. Uh, I mean, I, I think it just it kind of speaks for itself. You know, yeah. like everyone's going to live. Everyone's going to die. Like sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's rough. Like that's that's kind of what what it is. And but I, I really think the music is this was one of the songs that initially stuck out to me most for the exact reason you were just talking about. Like you get that really nice piano right at the beginning 
and then it's oh, oh and then the drum says like man like he sets you up you know he sets you up for this nice quiet song and then he hits the drums and picks that pace up and this this is a perfect example of what i was talking about like, like his ability to kind of intermingle the the sounds is just so good yeah, and then the line, there is one line I'm going to pull. Uh, you know, I had to write down at least one line for every song. I think you know the reason why, man. That line fucking hits, bro. And obviously it's because it's, it's released after his death. But, like, how much, okay, so how much of a dynamic Nick does the fact that you know, in context of this line, that this album is released after his death? Like, because if he's still living, honestly, that line, I think, you know, the reason why doesn't necessarily hit as hard. You know what I mean? And so oh, I agree. And so, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, it's just like it shows where he's at, man. Like even the way he can turn a song that you could look at it being up, he just hits you with that lyric and it brings you back down to think about, man, what was he even thinking about? Mm hmm. Yeah, That's just right. like the right side being the other side being right there. Uh, but, I, you know, if we did, if we were doing a three song medley uh, for this one, I'd have to say he's that the four, five and six um, songs would be it. The good news I could see and uh, everybody. But that's besides the point. Uh, next song is Woods. And this is where we start to get some full production, I think, in the album. I think th this one's really, really fully produced uh what what do you think about it Hughes yeah this song is awesome uh, is the first <laughs> thing I'll say but the uh like let's just be honest here um but this this was the point in the album that I really started to realize that I, I'm trying to figure out because there are some lines and, and I think it I think there was some earlier on but it, it kind of starts here more um and carries through the next few songs of, of him kind of hinting at like a woman, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and the mind, the mind, the mind brings us to Ariana. Like it's, it's always going to go there yeah. coming off, coming off the divine feminine and swimming where we saw a ton of that, those references. It's like, Oh, he's talking about her and he definitely could be. And this is why I was talking about earlier with the different perspectives where he doesn't just give it to you straight. You know, he's not bringing these lyrics to you on a platter and saying, hey, here, here's what she got. Like, he is leaving it very vague, where you have just enough information to get it, but where exactly is he trying to go? And this was the point where I'm like, okay, this is probably about Ariana. You know, mm -hmm. he's talking about, uh, like, in the first verse, he's talking about, he's talking to another person very clearly. He's like, you know, and you need to let me know when you're leaving, where you go, can I come? And it's like, oh, yeah, like, he, he wants to be with Ariana. She gave him happiness. Mm -hmm. But then I thought back, I thought back to jet fuel, the very end. And I thought back to the festival from good. AM, and I'm like, he could very well be talking to an angel right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he uses the angel is always a womanly voice kind of. And I think he, he kind of mixes those where it's like, is it Ariana? Is that the angel on earth? Or is it an angel that's kind of following him around waiting for him? You know? And just going back to that history where you see for albums and albums, he's talking to this angel, this womanly angel. It's like, so when, when he's talking to a woman in these tracks, is he talking about Ariana or is he talking about the angel? And I think you could make an argument for a lot of times, like which one it might be, but it's tough to figure out. And I think that's a big part of his genius in this album. 
Yeah, there's no doubt in the first half he's speaking on more of a, I don't know, societal, personal. He's talking about issues that kind of relate to everybody or especially to himself. But he's talking about dealing, addressing those issues kind of within himself. And then now on this song, it kind of turns. And like you mentioned, throughout the rest of the album where he's talking toward turning towards a specific relationship now whether that relationship is ariana or the beautiful take that hughes just gave i think is definitely out there as well like and so that's what i want to ask boggs i'm gonna I'm send it i'm gonna send you two things your way boggs first off what do you think about that yeah. take because i know that you were the you introduced me to the idea of the festival kind of talking to the angel which is definitely there and then secondly i remember a conversation we had a while ago i cannot I date it, it. but it's you said something like a couple of the songs were changed and you heard original versions. And for some reason, my mind's yeah, telling me that. that hey, OK, so what's your take on that? And then what's your take on uh, the, the kind of speaking to an angel perspective? So I never really thought about the angel's perspective, but I love it, though, because I'm reading through the lyrics right now. And like the simple one, like I make this planet feel like home, you know, kind of like, wow, mm-hmm. you can look at it multiple different. Place, however you want to take it so yeah i could definitely see that but um it was a couple months before the album came out i've always been on my hunt i never stopped trying to hear more mac that's just who i am Respect. and online i came across a file <laughs> it was called uh telescopes and i listened to it and it was amazing man but the weird thing is like um what john did he made the song a lot more instrumental because mac had like a just like a thumping kind of low tune rap beat that gave it a completely different mood than what you you hear in woods but um yeah i love both of them i can't prefer like either one they're both great to listen to and one of my favorites off the album yeah maybe maybe uh brian or brian however fucking how do you say his name john it's spelled weird like b-r-i-o-n it's brian brian i don't know maybe he just kind of did that to fit it within the album and i know he was trying to keep it simple you know keep it senior songwriter keep it kind of matte to the fullest extent drew did you have a take on this on this song yeah uh like nick said the song was called telescopes uh we so we had had prior experience with it i think i prefer telescopes a little bit more than woods just because it's it it like it like nick said it strips away that other instrumental and it's just mac you know mm-hmm. it's, it, it's just him singing you really get to focus on the lyrics and stuff not that the instrumentals take away too much of that but um yeah i think i prefer uh telescopes but but yeah i mean it's i love this song this song is crazy yeah it's a good one and like and like as we mentioned it kind of starts taking us in the direction with the specific relationship where mac's not necessarily talking about issues as much but talking uh within the context of speaking to someone else what now whatever that may be we don't know uh but that takes us into hand-me-downs which was one of the songs that kind of struck me originally when i heard this album first i don't know who how i heard it uh but it was this this song and surf and maybe it's because like i'm a simp at heart and i just like love songs that make me think about girls um so that's obviously this one but in, in this one he, he drops a tempo it's very simple and it's it's a nice little string instrumental with again unbelievable drums man like the drums are just fucking insane in the song and it's also the only song uh with the feature uh hughes what was your take on on this one hand me downs 
Yeah, Hand Me Downs was also one that stuck out to me right off the bat. Just just the sound of it. It's just really, really nice. And it's it's more of a calming one. It's it's not as calming as the I can see type of stuff, but it's it really puts you in that different place. And and this was another one where I had a trouble kind of figuring out exactly what he was talking about. Cause again, he's talking about relationships kind of in this one. And I, I really think the three perspectives that I was looking at this whole album with are his relationship with a person, which could be Ariana Grande, his relationship with the afterlife, which includes angels, God, and all that stuff. And then his relationship with drugs. And this song, I think is maybe one of the best examples of him kind of almost putting all three out there at the same time where one, one, uh, you know, one verse, it may be very clearly a person on earth. The next verse very clearly could be talking about the afterlife. The next one, it could be drugs. And I think this was a really good example of all the themes of this album, I think coming into one song. Yeah. And it definitely a good example of his lyricism as well. Like, I mean, in the chorus, I don't think he wrote that, but turn these jeans into hand-me-downs. Like it could be talking about obvious like jeans where you hand it down to the second generation or the next generation or turn these jeans himself into hand-me-downs, like actually, you know, continue throughout life to, you know, have children and, and make it to this next point. And so the boys over uh, near you, Indy, what was your take on hand me downs? Was this, was this a top one on, uh, on the album for you guys? I mean, for me personally, this and once a day are my favorite songs on the album by far. Like it's just, I mean, Mac, his whole career has kind of always hinted in the fact he's wanted a family more than anything. Like what he would give up everything for just to have a wife and kids to come home to. And, uh, that's just what the song hits. And I mean, it makes me so sad hearing it. Like, I'd be lying if I said there wasn't days I just had the song on repeat and drinking some Jack. You know what I mean? Hey, one of those absolutely. Moves. Absolutely. No, I, I, I get that for real. It is one of those songs where it's like, man, you remind me, shit, I need to stay in line. Drew, what was your thought on it? Oh, uh, this is the top three for me from this album. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is, I don't remember who the guy who features is i know he's not a like a huge uh artist but he kills it he absolutely kills his feature there's no doubt there's no doubt and the music video on this one's uh insane too so on on throughout the whole album or throughout the whole album music videos there's a couple where i think this one good news and maybe another one where it's actually like really in depth it's not just kind of the same uh kind of pictures that are just on repeat on loop and this one is is one for me and i think it really sets the tone and gets a vibe uh during the chorus when you see matt kind of singing along uh to a song and then it like kind of breaks into chunks and colored chunks like again acid trip theme uh have you seen the music video drew and uh what were your thoughts on her it's been a long time since I've watched any of the music videos from Circles, uh, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's fair. It's fair. I, I listened to it. I listened to it on vinyl, man. And I'll tell you what, that's a fucking experience. I got a clear ass vinyl. It's beautiful. And it also came with a um, also came with a poster that when I'm moving to my new apartment, it's probably going to be the first thing I throw up. Kind of hoping the swimming vinyl gives me a poster as well, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but uh, again, uh 
he he seems to be reflecting on his life and issues within the context of relationship. And uh, I think it kind of comes together in the next song, That's On Me, uh, which is another full, more fuller production. You know, you got a little bit more layers. And then as it's obvious in the title, uh, Mac, Mac starts taking accountability uh, for his mental state and the issues. And I think that's a really important step in the album. Hughes, That's On Me, let's hear it. Yeah, th- this is I. I don't even want to pick songs at this point in the album because they're so they're all so yeah, good. It's like I think I think starting at Good News and I and I love this whole album. The first few songs are great too, but Good News I think just kicks it off where you are a hundred percent locked in. Like each song is awesome, and each song is different, which is great. Uh, it's not just a bunch of copy paste. Like he he utilizes these same handful of themes and and just makes it a whole new experience and i mean this is another one it's just great foreshadowing the second verse he says you know he's talking about uh don't wait around we'll take the stairs that get us into there it's unfair when i'm being too proud and i'm like i'm like what what exactly could he be talking about with with stairs you know i think he talks about getting high a lot in the form of obviously through drugs, but also heaven, you know? So that, that's kind of the thing where it's like, what exactly is he talking about? He talks about, he says, it's unfair when I'm being too proud. So is he saying, you know, am I too proud to die or am I too proud to stop the drugs? Like what exactly is he saying? Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's just a one example of all these notes I picked up throughout listening to this, where, you really could take it in so many different ways. And I talked last week about the interview he did with Vulture uh, from Swimming, where he says, you know, he's not going to tell you what he means. It's up for you to figure it out. And, you know, he kind of questioned whether that was the right way to go about it. Uh, maybe I think he was like, maybe I should just be more clear about what I'm saying. But I'm, I, I'm personally happy that he did it this way where he leaves it to such interpretation. I think those kind of albums are the ones that stick around so much because you go back and listen to it. And as we've talked about in the past, Will, where some of these albums come around and they hit you differently depending on how your life is at that time. Mm-hmm. And this is a good example of an album. I feel like you could listen to a few times a year and there's a bunch of different scenarios you could be in personally where it's going to hit you in a different way. Because the kind of the ambiguous like lyricism he has that's really open ended almost, it, it really I think it helps you personally kind of conform to the song in whatever way you want. Yeah, there's no doubt, Hughes. And I think I think it's it's enhanced by the fact that we have four different people on this pod. And I think all of us have shared like a different look into how they view view the songs and the album as a whole, you know, and it, it's it's right there, whether Hughes kind of looks at it as is he talking to drugs or is he talking to angels? I my take on the album uh, in this song is that he's he's taking he's talking to himself. He's taking accountability. Uh, Drew, what was your take on the song? Um, I'd kind of go more your route. Uh, the way I've always pictured it is, uh, so you, you get out of a bad relationship or whatever. And the first couple, first little while, you're not really reflecting on it. It's she's a bitch. Fuck that girl. You know, she's crazy. All that kind of shit. All the things that she did Absolutely. wrong. 
Absolutely. And then you start to you start to really reflect on it and get some time and space between it, and you're like, damn, I I shouldn't have done that, or I shouldn't have done this. This was kind of fucked up of me, you know. And it's just I've I've always got that kind of vibe from it that it's like him reflecting on what he's done wrong in his life and uh, all the mistakes he's made and taking responsibility for him and realizing, hey, that that was on me. That's on me. Yeah, and you spoke. He, of, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's it's a very repetitive song for the last uh, couple Mac albums. Like he he hasn't been as repetitive as he is in this song. So that's part of the reason I I think that way is he's just repeating that to himself. You know he's got to really get, hammer that point home that you know it's that's on me. It's my fault. I need to take responsibility for that. Yeah, and you spoke about how like sometimes time can create that 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 detachment. Uh, where you're able to look at things from an unemotional kind of standpoint and more of a realistic standpoint. Cause obviously when you got your own emotions invested in it, I know too well, you, you view it kind of how you want to, but whenever you, you remove those um, emotions to an extent, you, you get, you get a different look at it. You get a more realistic look at it. And so Boggs, did you have a, a take that you wanted to share on this one? And then uh, what was your thought on the next one? Hands. Um, I think all you guys pretty much hit the spots on uh, That's On Me. I, I agree with every single one of you, honestly, and it's a great song. Um, but Hands, I think that's a big one, man. Um, mm -hmm. So like uh, like the lyric where he says, carrying this weight will uh, break your glass knees. I think it's a big thing where everyone just assumes that he should be fine with all the money he has with how everyone loves him, you know what I mean? But he's just showing you, it's like, if you really had even the slightest bit of pressure that I deal with every day, you would not be able to handle it. Yeah. No, I Plus think that's the unorthodox beat is just, it's different, but I love it too, because it's so unique. It, it is unorthodox, unorthodox and definitely when put into context of this album as a whole, uh, because as we've mentioned, it's a lot, the album is him. It's, uh, it's a lot more... Uh, you know, melodic, he, he's singing. It's a lot more uh, of of a slower tempo album, but I, I didn't actually realize it till I was doing a little research beforehand. But as Genius mentioned, which is, I mean, friend of the pod, Genius is one of the closest friends of the pod, should be a sponsor of the pod here at some point. I mean, you got to thank Hughes as much as we use it. But they mentioned that this is like the only traditional rap song on this whole fucking album. I mean, did you do you hear that initially, too? And what was your take on the song as a whole? Yeah, I mean, it, it's more of a traditional rap song, but at the same time, it doesn't have a traditional rap beat, yeah. which which I think speaks to this this album. As, I, as we've mentioned multiple times, the sound has really changed a lot. And it's we've talked a lot about slow songs. This one right off the bat, you know, it's more of like that that bouncy kind of feeling um and it's it's more of a just more of a fun song to listen to but again you start reading the lyrics it's like shit man like he really he really sets you up to uh like he gives i think he gives both audiences a chance to have fun not maybe not have fun but enjoy it where it's like this is a fun song but if you really look into the lyrics it's the same old same old you know and this is another song I mean, right off the bat, it's it's that that inner voice he has talking yeah. uh, the drugs, the drugs talk like, why don't you wake up from your bad dreams? You know, when's the time yeah. you took the last time you took a little time for yourself, you know, yeah. just relieve, relieve all that pressure. You don't got to be sad. Like, let's get high. 
And it's, he makes it sound so appealing. Like that voice is so appealing because of the state he's in. He's so, he's so down and he's like, I don't have to be down. I know exactly how to get rid of the sadness. And yeah, like I'm going to have to come back down eventually and deal with it. But for now, I don't have to. And this is just another good example of him really painting the picture of his mindset, which I think these last two albums was by far the best thing that he achieved was showing us exactly what he what state he's in and really just doing such a good job of visualizing it and and really putting you in his shoes to understand why why am I going through these problems like like let me show you what's the problem and let me show you how I avoid it whether that's the right way to do it or not uh, yeah, you mentioned show not tell. You're taking me back to fucking Malcolm Moran's class back at IEPUI, man. <laughs> the journalism classes, that's all he told us. Just show. Don't tell, man. Don't tell. Just just paint the picture. And you're right, dude. And these two albums, this song, honestly, I feel like more than any other song on Circles could be on Swimming. Like, I feel like that would fit into Swimming a lot, like perfectly. Uh, but Drew, uh, the classic rap Mac guy, uh, I know you love all the 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 more hip hop, the more bumpy Mac songs. What what you, what was your take on Hands? Oh, it's fucking fantastic. Um, nice, I love like it. you said, it's a lot more rappy than the rest of the album, but he's still uh, completing that thought that he's having throughout the album. Like lyrics, like I'm busy tripping about some shit that still ain't even happened yet. Mm-hmm. Like he's rapping, but he's still expressing his emotions. He's still talking about all the things he's talked to and uh, talked about in the album up to this point. It's just more of it in an upbeat way. Yeah, and I knew I knew I knew you'd vibe with this one, Drew. It's just cla- classic Drew Settlemeyer Mac. I mean, it really is. I when I heard it, when I was listening to it in context of the podcast, I knew you were going to be on. I was like, yeah, this is one that I know Drew is gonna Drew's gonna like a lot. <laughs> But that takes us into surf. Uh, my first notes on this one, again, like I mentioned before, this is one that initially kind of hooked me onto this album. Uh, simply, simply fucking beautiful. Like, oh, my God. Like, there's this is one of those songs where I just want to, like, tweet the every single lyric from and, and, and just quote the whole fucking thing. But a couple of them... I am going to, this is one of the ones I'm going to go off with the lyrics. Sometimes I get lonely, not when I'm alone, but more when I'm staying in crowd, I'm feeling the most on my own. <sighs> so good. So good, Mac. Uh, let it go. Let it be. We're all we need today. Oh my God. And then uh, back when I was living in um, a couple, couple years ago in an apartment, we did this thing where uh, our, 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 our like door had a bunch of broken ass blinders or like shades and we didn't know what to do with them. And so we ended up just writing lyrics of songs we liked or there's like quotes uh, and hang them, hanging them on our wall. And one of the lyrics that I wrote uh, and hung up on the wall was going, going, going until I'm gone. And I'm like, good heck shit's so good. But I mean, beyond the lyrics, uh, you got a fucking banging electric guitar or a string out of fucking nowhere, man. And layered over again, some kick ass drums. Like it's just such a good sounding album. Hughes, what was your take on surf? Yeah, this one I was listening was the one that really made me think, huh, is he, is he really talking about a girl on earth or is he talking about an angel? Like this was the moment where I'm like, huh, I wonder. 
And like, you know, right off the bat, he's talking about, uh, you know, he's obviously talking to a female presence and, you know, he's talking about head, your head, your shoulder, your knees, your toes. So that kind of paints the picture. Okay. Like angels don't have all that stuff. That's a real person. But then a little bit later, you know, got her head in the clouds. Uh, I ain't coming down. Why would I need to? There's so much of this world above us. I'm like, huh. Like he very well could be flying around with, the, with his angel when he's talking about that. And, and it, it definitely feels more like he's talking to a person on earth, but I still, I just can't get that out of my head that like that is possibly it. And even if it's just a couple lyrics that point me in that direction, it, it really just makes me wonder what exactly he's talking about. And again, like that's that open-endedness where it's, it doesn't really matter what he's talking about either way. Cause we know he's searching for that relief, yeah. whether it's a, on earth or whether it's an angel he's searching for the relief and it doesn't matter what it is it's whether it's through drugs whether through through a girl or whether it's through spirituality like he is that's what he's searching for and as we talked about already this album is about acceptance and he's accepted where he's going but he's still you know as a human being you know like you just have a natural will to want to survive Mm-hmm. And there's still that little seed inside him that's like, man, if I could just find that, I would be okay. I, I could I could stay here and it would be good. And again, as we talked about with swimming, it's a lot of a conversation with himself. And this is kind of another song and the whole album is like this too, where it's like he's there. There's still that little space in his brain where he's like, man, I, I really would like to stay. And I know it's probably not going to happen. But I can, you know, I can get stuck in my dreams and I can romanticize what life could look like. I just I just might need that that girl or or whatever, whatever force it is that takes me there. Yeah. And I think I think, as you mentioned earlier, it might just be a little little tidbit, little like single line that could point you in that direction. But that's all you need. And again, that's that's just to the genius of Mac, where it's like. He just he writes a song where me, Simp Brain, I just think about a girl the whole time. But, you know, one lyric, one little 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 lyric, one line could can change the whole thing. And so uh, I know this one I connected with because it's like I the only way I thought of it was uh, a girl. And that's probably because I was so strongly emotionally attached to whatever girl I'm thinking about at the time that that's the only connection I'm able to see. But Boggs, did, did you did you get that other perspective? And what are your overall thoughts on this song? I mean, yeah, I try to look at uh, most of them like that, at least, especially ones where he's talking to a girl because you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, Dylan said, got those one line hitters that definitely could convince you. But uh I don't know. I adore this song, man. I've never had any interest in my life about playing instruments or anything, but this is one thing just to repay Mac for everything he's done. One day in my life, I will learn how to play this song on like an acoustic guitar, sit out by the fire and just relax, man. Come at peace. Acoustic guitar, brother. You could play this song on a ukulele, man. Like that. That's Whatever sounds... it takes, man. Whatever <laughs> Literally. It takes. Literally, I mean, that's how simple it is, but that does speak to like just a simple production and and the overall kind of feel singer songwriter uh, of the album where it's just Mac. It's just Mac's voice and a couple couple things to help push push the idea. Uh, Drew, what was your take on this song? I, I really agreed with what Dylan was saying. It's it's about relief. Like the whole uh, project is about 
him trying to get away from the the feelings, the thoughts that are in his head. It's whatever he needs to do, whether it's the drugs or whatever. It's he's trying to get out of his head. He's trying to stop having these thoughts. He's trying to get out of the place that he's currently in. And like I, I know we've said it a thousand times, but it just it makes it that much sadder knowing the end result and hearing the process of getting there. You know, because mm-hmm. he knew he knew he was in trouble. He just needed help, and he he just never he just can never get out yeah no you're you're definitely not wrong and then and then obviously leading into the outro once a day man is dylan is this the perfect song to end this album dude this song is like one of those goosebump songs and you know you want to talk about the a three song medley when you tack on those two extra songs from the extended version with right and floating man those three songs for me like that's it like Mm -hmm. they they all three just hit and once a day man it's it's so beautiful and and i'm thinking back to what john brian wanted that was one of the songs he he talked about a lot when he's been interviewed because he he's the same as us man like even though he's on the inside he's sitting there in awe of what Mm -hmm. this guy could do Mm -hmm. and just to think that he was able to sit there and be a part of that, like makes me jealous. And I have no musical, you know, background or anything, but it's like, man, just to be in that room while he's making songs like this, where we're Max sitting there, not even knowing if it's good, which yeah. is just insane to think about. And meanwhile, John Bryan, he even talked, um, I don't remember if it was this song or one of the others, where he hears Mac working on some of these songs and playing these instruments. And he literally had to step into the other, other room. Cause he started crying Break down in tears. Like literally. that, that's what it, that's what it does to you, man. Yeah. And, and I talked about this last week where, uh, was so it goes for me personally, uh, like those songs just hit that chord. It's like, God, man, like you were, you were capable of that, you know, like it, it's just amazing that what he could do. And yeah, once a day for the for the normal version of this album, perfect way to close it out where, again, it, it really ties a lot of the same themes together where, you know, once a day kind of hits the theme with just taking one day at a time uh, type of thing. But also how, you know, people don't really care. They they want him. They just want him to make good music and they don't care if he's happy or sad. Like that's that's what they want. Um, and he just he hits a lot of the same themes with that he's that we, he's talked about and we've talked about throughout this and it's just it's just a beautiful way to close it out. Boggs, I know you mentioned that this was one of your favorite. I want to hear your take on it and then followed by Drews. Yeah, so actually, when Mac passed September seventh of twenty eighteen, they announced that since his tour was cut off from swimming, obviously, um, they were doing that celebration of life. Um, mm-hmm concert out in LA so me and all the boys kicked back in the shed where we used to hang out and watch it all live live stream and at the very end of the concert that was the song that they played it was just a recording on his phone of him sitting there with the piano playing once a day and I knew from the second I heard that I fell in love with it like I was so amazed that they brought it back and made the last song on the album it was it couldn't be more perfect it's beyond lyrics beyond sounds it's it's even more than emotion it's literally it takes you over Drew? Yeah. um, Once a Day is definitely one of my favorites on this album. Uh, It just 
goes to show the the pattern he feels like he's in, you know, I mean, it starts with once a day I rise, once a day I fall asleep with you. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's, he's stuck in that same emotion he's been in for the last eight months or whatever, you know? Um, I mean, that's just what I get from it is once a day he's stuck thinking about her, you know, thinking yeah. about what he lost, thinking about what could have been uh, like what his life would be like now you know mm-hmm. no i definitely get that and the power of youtube i watched a youtube video over uh the album as a whole and they're like there was this guy that was doing kind of analysis on it he's like man the the song ends on just such a weird chord like it, yeah. it ends it ends on a chord that is the for i don't know the musical term but it, it it's a chord that yeah, it's, it's an un- yeah it's an unfinished chord or something yeah, like that's that it it's because un- the first song on the album starts with that chord yeah, and it completes it and the, the album, album circles it's a fucking circle because it ends on this unfinished chord and the guy's like what the fuck's going on here and they played it on repeat and the start the first uh the first chord of the song circles is the chord that completes it. And so the album circles yeah. is a fucking circle, mate. I mean, that shit's nuts. <laughs> that shit's insane. Uh, but that's not the end of the album. The end of the album, we got two extra tracks we're going to chat about. So yeah, the the album circles is a fucking circle. I mean, I mean, come on. You want to talk about like more than music, more than lyrics, more than production. That's That's it. I mean, that's it right there, but it isn't the last part of the album. We got two other songs, Right and then Floating. Hughes, give us your takes on those. I know you've been fiending. I know you love them. (laughs) Man, Right is, again, it's another one where it's the the relationship type of vibe. And I've been talking about Angels too much. So like this one, I'm going to look at it more from the, human woman perspective naturally naturally i think yeah it it this one i think more hits to to him definitely talking about this this divine feminine right this this woman on earth that that he really wants to save him and that he's kind of just like if it's not you then what is it Mm -hmm. and i think it's it's a really beautiful song to listen to just from the sound perspective but also the lyrics um, it's beautiful, but it's also sad, you know, because he's talked about this a lot and we've talked about this throughout this episode, but he's talked really since Macadelic about how he makes mistakes with women and how he knows, but he just doesn't necessarily know how to fix it sometimes. And I think that's kind of what this song is where he's like, man, like I, I know that you're waiting for me to change and all that, but please don't give up because I'm, I'm eventually going to come around to it. It's kind of the vibe I got, um, which again, makes it even more sad because he never got around to it, but it, it really, he does a, again, a beautiful job of painting the picture uh, of really what he's searching for. Yeah. And then uh, I think right as well. I think if there's any of them that kind of have 100% that look into probably a girl it's probably that you know what i'm saying <laughs> uh there's not there you could look at it another way but it's probably a girl boys over there what, what do you guys think about a right and then what's your take on floating as well um both good songs like obviously don't get me wrong i'll i'll take mac music 
any day of the week. Uh, I was a little upset when they put them on put them on circles. I think they probably should have just been standalone singles or something because of the way circles was created. I don't know if it who is a part of his vision to have those on circles as well. But like we were talking about with uh, the last song, uh, he ends it in a circle. The the mm-hmm. whole note structure is to circle that uh, album around and adding two extra songs onto a deluxe version kind of ruins that premise. Uh, yeah. Like I said, uh, I'll never complain about getting music from Mac, but yeah. I, I think it was more of a um, trying to sell uh, out copies. Del- a deluxe version of an album versus a right. You know what I mean? Cause they yeah. also came out uh, circles came out in January and uh, I believe floating and right didn't come out till March or April of that year. Okay. So it's like it, it it really to me came off as somebody trying to uh get more album sales, you know what I mean? The the album had already died down a little bit, so let's put out a deluxe version with two extra songs so that people buy the album again and buy the deluxe version now. No, that's a fair take. That's a completely fair take. And so I got a question for Boggs and then Drew if you want to chime in as well. What, what do you think about them releasing more Mac Miller music? Would you want them to do it like on Apple Music, Spotify uh, format? Or would you want to keep it to like the YouTube as they've been doing? Because I know you guys are deep into that. So Boggs, what's your take on that first? I would love it if they released new projects like officially because I mean the YouTube stuff is nice, but there's always that one song you hear one day, you love it. I try and download it so I can save it, but it's gone and taken away and I can never hear it again. I yeah. want it to be available to everyone so we can all get the same experience. But I got to kind of respect Max family in that aspect. They have control of his art now and it's like whatever they want, I'm fine with, you know, but we're, we're Mac fans. We always want more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Drew, you got a take on that? Yeah, it, it's a it's a tough question because, like Nick said, I mean, I, I would take more Mac music any day of the week, 100%. But like he said, you want to stay uh, respectful to the family. That's their decision. It's their call. You know, I'm not – I don't want to step on anybody's toes or anything like that. But uh, um, if they were going to release more, I would hope how they would do it is as a mixtape or a single, something like that, something yeah. that doesn't – I feel like his discography uh, – obviously isn't complete because he died but they wrapped it up you know what i'm saying these this was his plan his plan for the albums was swimming in circles though you know those were his two what he had in mind so i would say you keep that the way it is and like i said maybe just release them as singles or release and uh version of unreleased mixtapes or something like that um um that's what like nick was talking about the unreleased music we do have uh it just popped up on YouTube basically a couple uh, last year, I believe. Yeah, two years ago, around Fourth of July. Uh, two years ago, uh, and I uh, saved all of them to my um, music folder in my phone. So I had, I think it's something like fifty unreleased songs, and uh, like Nick said, they, I mean, they completely vary in time that they were created. You know, some of the songs you can clearly tell are created around the time when he was making faces or uh, watching movies. Some of them were later. You know, so I just don't think it would be. Um, obviously I don't know what they have access to, how much unreleased mm-hmm. stuff there really is. Uh, but I just don't think it would fit the, uh, the arc of his career, I guess, if you just release another album, just, and try to fill it with un- unreleased, so- unreleased music that you could find, you know? Yeah. And try to make, if they try to make it like an album, 
You know, if, right. if you release like something on Spotify or iTunes, uh, which I'm going to get into later, by the way. Uh, but uh, if you release something on Spotify or, or Apple Music, for example, maybe maybe name it like a, a list of uh, unreleased songs by Mac Miller. And, and, and right. so it's not like it's not like a, a thought, because especially as we noticed in the last couple albums and just Mac Miller's career as a whole, like the, that the albums he created were were not just music, they're ideas. And so uh, if you release a bunch of those songs, maybe you would name the name, the project like unreleased music by Mac Miller. That way you could still kind of get the, the, the royalty from it. But it's not a uh, it's not like a, a, a thought. Uh, but sending it over to Hughes, you didn't speak much about floating and you were talking to me about, man, you really like this song. What, what's your take on that one, Hughes? <laughs> Yeah. So first of all, I will say that I do agree that the additional two songs is a little sketchy um, just from the perspective of what he wanted the project to be with it ending at once a day, ending in a circle. I definitely get that. At the same time, these two songs are so good that it's like hard to be mad about it. Like that's where I'm, I kind of come from it. And floating to me, I've been talking about this for weeks because I hyped up uh, So It Goes, right? And I talked about that last week, just the symbology of it, that it really painted the picture of a goodbye note, you know? And that that part of it, just just the way that it ended with him, it just really, it was like, man, like it, I think it said a lot um, about really the whole story of Mac's life and his career. And floating to me feels similar where – he, he, he really feels like he's speaking to you from heaven. Like he, I mean, right off the bat, there's a room somewhere up above the trees. And once you get there, you don't ever want to leave. You know, it's like you, I, I was thinking about this earlier. You definitely could look at this as him, as him just being high. Um, he talks about, you know, being up in the sky all the time. And you could definitely come at it from that. But I also think you could just come at it from the perspective of heaven and getting away. Um, and there's points of this song too, where he feels like he's kind of talking to God almost, mm-hmm. um, about, you know, coming to your doorstep when I can finally get away. It's yeah. like, man, like if it feels like he's saying like, I'll be up there when I can finally leave earth, you know? And it's just listening to the song too. It's one of those songs that just, I think the music just washes over you. Like there's mm-hmm. some. I'll sometimes just lay in bed at night and put this song on and just close my eyes. And it like, it, it's just, it feels like I'm soaking in the music almost, you know, which is not. Yeah. And that's, that's not something I can say about a lot of music. I really can't. And that's why really throughout this month, I'm like, I think Max, my favorite artist of all time. Mm-hmm. I just do like, I, I've known that I've loved these last two albums for a while now. But listening to the other stuff and, and getting a perspective of where he came from, I'm like, man, he's been good for a long time. And mm-hmm. he did a lot of different things, a lot of different ways. And when you just look at like a checklist for an artist, I think he checks all the boxes. Yeah. And this is a guy that like, no matter what mood you're in, you can throw something on. He he speaks to you in a way that really connects as we've talked about all month. So I think like closing it out with this, with this song, I think said it, uh, said it all. I mean, I've, I'm a storyteller at heart, right? So like the story of Mac uh, is obviously depressing and tragic, but 
it's some of the symbology with these songs with so it goes very clearly feeling like a good bino and floating very clearly feeling like he's speaking to you from heaven and kind of just giving you that peace mm-hmm. um it's just like from a storied perspective of his career i think it, it just really it really does something uh to me personally and as far as releasing other music i've i go back and forth on it i you look at some of these guys like pop smoke man they keep putting out music and I just really don't think I like that. Yeah. Like it's, it's great that his family's making money and that's great. Maybe that's what he would have wanted. Maybe that's what he said at some point. I don't know, but it just feels different. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't really feel good. Like, like XXX and Tassian, like they didn't put music out from him. Right. Like a lot of these guys, they're just like, we're not going to do this. This is kind of disrespecting him. And as you know, Nick and Drew said, from a perspective of a fan, you want to hear more music. So I wouldn't be mad if it came out. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to be mad to hear Mac music. I've never heard, but at the same time, just the way swimming in circles wrapped up, I think everything, it, it, it feels kind of wrong to put more out. If you want to do unreleased singles on YouTube, I don't think that hurts anything, but putting out like a real project. I don't think that would be the right way to go. But again, as, as Nick and Drew said, like it's, it's their family's choice. The things that they've said in the past, I would be surprised if they really put a new project out, but yeah, I, I don't expect them to do that. But again, it's, it's them, it's their decision. So whatever they do, I'm not going to be upset about it. Uh, a couple things about that, Hughes. One, they back to journalism school. They taught us, man, all the best stories are tragedies. All the best stories are tragedy. Look back to Shakespeare, man. Second thing I'm going to say. So you're telling me you don't put on the new Trippy Red album and you just get taken away? Like, are you serious, bro? It's Trippy Red, man. This shit's fire. No, but for real, uh, I want to close it off with uh, Drew first. Drew. You've already kind of spoken about uh, how like circles kind of end Mac's career perfectly. What 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 are your thoughts? I know you're a huge Mac fan, but what are what are your final thoughts on the pod, at least about Mac and his career, and then and then the way it ended? And uh, everybody that knows me knows that I I love Mac, and like I said, I've said before, I I've been there basically his entire career. Um, and it, I just, I've never heard an artist that progressed the way he did. There's yeah. never been there. I've never listened to anybody else that where you can listen to a song from his first album and listen to a song from his last album. And they're both great songs, but they're just completely different. And you can tell he's a completely different and changed person through the music. Um, and uh, uh, unfortunately, this is the last project I would have loved to see see where he'd go from here because just every project is different from the last one and it's just it it just baffles me to think well he could have he would have grown more you know if he hadn't died so tragically yeah. so early yeah what what would he be doing now you know what would the music he's putting out now sound like yeah. and i know i'd love it i know it would hit me just like all the uh, all everything else does but it's just it's very sad it's very depressing that you you don't get to see the completion of his his entire uh, music career no that's a great take drew uh boggs boggs what are your final thoughts 
<sighs> I don't know, man. There's too much to say about Mac. Um, yeah. Definitely the greatest artist I believe that I'll ever encounter in my lifetime. Um, me just hearing him as a young kid and growing up, he was slightly older than us. So it was kind of like a guide through life. Like, yeah. not saying I looked up to everything he did, but like what his moods were were the same as mine. You know, high school party. And then it was, wow, I'm out. This is real life. Time to get real. And here I am maturing as an adult, still listening to his music. And it's motivating me every single day. And I mean, to me, that's more than music. And there's not, I can't think of a lot of artists at all that I can think about that do the same thing, you know, like, I don't know, man, he's the goat. Never see another one like him. Glad to see, got to experience him. Simple as that sometimes, man. Simple as that. Just like the album, it circles. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I'm gonna, I'm just going to reiterate everything that they just said. Uh, this last month for me has been so, so great listening to Mac, listening to the progression. Sonically, obviously, as Drew mentioned, he, he went from, who he was as a kid to a singer genuine singer songwriter a guy that can make beautiful music not just rap not just talk about how you know he's this high school kid he wants to smoke weed he wants to fuck bitches he's that guy no he he throughout his whole career he progressed to this point where he's able to write and and record and put together a whole album about how he feels and who he is. And that has been so important to me, especially these last couple albums, because I, I like Boggs mentioned, I, I relate to it. I, I relate to the things that he's been going through and it, and it motivates me. It motivates me knowing that he's died. It motivates me listening to circles to see what, what he wasn't able to overcome to help me overcome these things. And that's why I think that's, that's kind of that, that feeling that, that Hughes is talking about where it, 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 it's inexplainable. It, it, it genuinely touches my fucking soul, like literally, literally touches my soul and makes me act in this world that we live in a different way because of what I've seen, what I've listened to, what he's been through and just his career as a whole. And so, yeah, Mac's right up there. I mean, Mac is right up there. And Drew knows me too well to the point where I don't think he'd ever believe me when I said that, like th two years ago. I was saying that fucking sucks, man. Fuck that guy. I don't like him. But dude, like genuinely over the last over the last month, the way the things that Mac has done for me, the way he's motivated me, the lessons I've been able to take from Mac have been in, unexplainable. And I am forever in that man's debt. Rest in fucking peace, Mac Miller. That's all I got to say. He is there's one, there's one time you told me that you just didn't like the sound of his voice. I about punched you in the mouth. <laughs> that sounds exactly like something I'd say. That sounds exactly like something I'd say. Uh, but yeah, I, I've, I've, I've done a 180 and Mac mentioned that in one of the songs and one of this album in this in circles, I've done a complete 180 max top pot, top five, easy top five, top three. I mean, I, I can't, I'd have to sit down and think, but like, I mean, you're right. There's, Throughout the people that we've done on this podcast, uh, Hughes, I don't think there's anyone that's progressed from level f as far as he did. Do you agree with that statement? And what are, what are your final thoughts on that? Yeah, I would agree. I think um, I think J. Cole did a really good job as well. And J. Cole is a different artist because what I think was great about J. Cole was that he – was able to produce a different album every time. Like we talk about Sergio Simpson in that way where he flips genres and makes it sound good. But J Cole was using the same genre and twisting it in his own kind of direction. I think that was what made him great. But with Mac, 
it was just inch by inch. You can see the same themes developing throughout. And really looking back to, I think, uh, watching movies, especially it was, it was just that, that flip flop of him wanting to make bangers and him wanting to get vulnerable. And over time, it kind of became more and more, more and more vulnerable. And it wasn't as much about making what it was. He wasn't trying to get on the radio. Like that's basically what it was. Like he was trying to, he wasn't just trying to get people to have fun. Like he was, as we talked about before, he was trying to make music for himself and like, he didn't really care as much how it was perceived. Um, And obviously I think that's what made it so good was that he really went into his heart and clawed out all the tragedy and then yeah. went into his brain and figured out like how to, how to show us what he's thinking and how he's feeling. And just the, the slow progression, man, it was like a five, six year progression mm-hmm. um, throughout all these different albums and mixtapes where it's like, even going back to faces, which was, you know, it was, it was a mix of that stuff, but you really start to see him dive in that kind of, pool almost of like where the fuck are we going like what what's going on he really adjusted to the fame and was like this is not what it's all made up to be like i don't know what i'm supposed to do now and he kind of tried to answer that question for really for the remainder of his years like he just kept trying to figure out how can i you know put the the last puzzle piece there i've got everything that i thought i wanted And I still don't really have everything I want at the same time. And I don't know exactly how to get there or I do know how to get there, but I just can't overcome these problems. So it's, I think it was definitely the, the most important series we've done so far because of obviously the fact that he's gone now, but just, just the way that he progresses as a musician, I think, I think we talked about this before, Will, about how like this, or it was Alex that talked about this, about like, this is what divine rhyme is supposed to be, right? This, this kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. like what, what can we pull out of a musician's discography and how can we track from point A to point B where they, where they came from and where they're at now or where they ended in Max's case. And this one, I think it was just, again, going back to the storytelling part, it was just a. Over time, it became more of a tragic story, and at the same time, again, after listening to Circles, you you almost feel that relief, and yeah. I think it's because he kind of painted the picture of him being relieved. Like he just accepted, he's not going to get that answer he's looking for, and he's okay with that. Like he's fine with going to the other side. That's where the answers probably lie for him. So, as sad as it is, you know, being three years removed at this point, uh, or almost three years. It, uh, you know, I, I still feel after listening to circles, I, I feel sad, but I still feel okay with just as a musician, how he was able to end it and him seeming to be okay with the yeah. fact that he may not have made it. Yeah. I think that's a really good take. I feel like, I feel like circles, at least for me, kind of, um, you know, Max, Max kind of saying, I'm, you know, I, he kind of knows what's happened. He's like telling us, I know what happened. And he's almost saying like, it's all right. You know, it's, it's all right. And so that, that's kind of what I get. Obviously circles is open to everyone's individual interpretation, but what, one thing I would like to connect back to J Cole a bit, I feel like had Mac continued, 
was able to overcome those things, he would have been able to release like an off season type project. And man, how good would that have fucking been a Mac Miller off season? I mean, that's, that's, that's all I got to say. That's all I'm going to end it for Mac Miller. But I do got another name that you just dropped to mention. Uh, Also our next pod haven't discussed it with Hughes yet, but I'm pretty sure we got to do the ballad of dude and Juanita Sturgill Simpson released uh, Friday. I think it's the 18th or 19th of August. You listen to it at all yet? Hughes. I've listened to a little bit. I haven't had time much this week to sit down, but the little bit I've heard has been strong. It's been very strong. <laughs> it's strong is one of the words. It's it's different. I mean, <laughs> it's it's classic. It's classic Sergio Simpson, man. Uh, I don't want to get too deep into it, but that's going to be a fun week. Also, might have another guest on. Uh, he is so we'll be in touch about that, uh, of course. But I would like to shout out Drew uh, Settlemeyer and uh, Nick Boggs. Thank you guys. Like genuinely, thank you for for joining us on this podcast and throughout this whole month. I don't think we could we could have done it to this level that we we're done it without you guys. I think you really added a great great uh, perspectives, a couple great perspectives into the look of Mac's career, and I think you really did help out help us figure out this this puzzle piece that's Mac Miller. So thank you guys both for uh, joining the pod. Yeah, thanks for having us, man. Thank you, man. No problem. Always love talking about that. Well, we'll have to get you on. Hopefully, you release. Hey, I'm not saying me and Dylan are like magicians or shit, oh. but we've done a couple pods, and right after, there's been some music released by the artists. I mean, Sergio Simpson's a good example because he we did Sergio right before this drops a fucking album out of nowhere. Looking forward to talking about that. Absolute banger of a fucking pod today. If you listen, thank you so much. This is Divine Rhyme, Running Hook Podcast Network. We got other shows. We got some sports. We got Lynn Sanity. We got Dylan and Basketball Power Hour. Not up, both. Uh, not up right now, but we got it on the network. We got uh, Triple Option Podcast getting fired up for the season. Uh, ready to hear, ready to watch, ready to talk about some football. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Circle City Cinema with Zach Griffith, always a good pod. And then, uh, yeah, follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I actually downloaded TikTok, and my only follow is the Running Hook Network. So if that can't get you to give us a follow, I I don't know what else can. Uh, But thank you again for listening. It's been a great pod, and uh, we'll see you next week with Stranger Sensei.